Welcome to Slate Church. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and pray that wherever you are, this message will bless you. If this impacts you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. Sundays. Who's with me? Why don't you give someone a high five as you take a seat? <clears throat> so good. <laughs> hey, come, come on. There you go. There you go. It's always sad seeing somebody left out of handshakes. And uh, Nate, you left someone out for a very long time there. So, uh, not to call you out in front of everybody, but I'm um, really really excited for this message. It's, uh, it's uh, one that <clears throat> has been gnawing at me all week, and I was going to go in a different direction for this Sunday, but uh, I don't know. The, the, the story just kept jumping out at me, so I'm really excited to share it, and uh, just really excited to be in church. I was also really excited to see uh, Les on, on drums today. Uh, some of you don't know who Les is, but uh, he's our goalie for our hockey team, and so... Uh, um, yeah, I'm going to shout him out because we need him next year. And uh, we actually happen to, I've got some bad news before I share the good news of Jesus Christ. And the bad news is that last night we, uh, we played in, in the fifth and final game of our slate hockey team series. Um, we play in a cr- local Christian league, which means absolutely nothing. Don't be fooled by the word Christian. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. I don't know if everybody's like praying for each other as they skate by each other, but many ungodly things happen in this league. And uh, we played our final game last night because we lost in our series to one of the A division teams. We were in B division, and uh, they had a lot of call-ups, not to make excuses for everybody, but uh, we made you proud by playing an A division team, and uh, it all came to an end last night. So please pray for us. Yes. Um, Much better than our baseball team, which won one game all year. (laughs) So uh, we're gearing up for a great season with baseball, aren't we, Luke? And uh, anybody, anybody like baseball, by the way? <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, just talk to us after. <laughs> okay, that's not why I'm up here, but uh, now that sports matters are out of the way, I'm really excited to have you here today. I don't know what your story is. I don't know where, why, why or how you found Slate Church this morning. But uh, we're really, really, really excited that you're here. As Emma said in the video, um, we get really excited about people who are here for the first time. Um, We're just as equally excited for those of you that have been here since we started. And that's kind of what it means to to have a home like Slate, that we can be uh, here for people that have been here for a long time, but also welcome new people as if they were here the entire time. And so we just want to welcome you here, and and hopefully today blesses you. I hope God's already been working in your heart. If you're... um, if you're here and, and you take notes, I'm going to give you my message title before we jump in. And uh, it's, uh, it's not November, and uh, oh gosh, um, what the back screen is telling me is that I'm 9,492 hours over, uh, over my time. That's, this is the worst mistake I've ever made. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are you guys hungry? Um, We'll figure that out. What, what time does this service end so that I actually get off stage? It's 11.30, right? Yeah, okay. All right. All right. I'll just pay attention to the time. Cool. All right. So it's not November, but uh, and, and the reason I say that is because the message that came to me um, would fit really good in November. 
uh, like really good in November. Um, but I, I feel like maybe just as we start a new year that God's trying to teach us something new. Maybe God's trying to get us to remember something already as we get to the end of the second month of 2020. That's right, we're at the end of the second month of 2020. Maybe God's trying to recall some things that he spoke to us, um, perhaps individually, but per perhaps also corporately as a church. And uh, perhaps he's, he's trying to speak to us very intimately today. So we're going to lean on that. Today's message title is called, Lest We Forget. And of course, it would go really good right around Remembrance Day. And so maybe I'll just pull it out in a few years, uh, right around Remembrance Day, when everybody forgets that I actually preached this message, and we'll talk about it then. But um, <laughs> I've never done that, no, uh, never. Um, but we're going to actually find ourselves in the book of Genesis. Everybody say Genesis. Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to be going through the story of Noah and the flood. Everybody has a Bible, physical Bible on you, hold it up real high, wave it around, make sure you hit both neighbors on either side, reminding them that they need to bring their Bible to church. Um, don't shame them, but uh, anybody got a light-up Bible? Anybody forget to charge their Bible last night? You got it on like low-power mode? Jericho, I see you. That's okay. Chantel's probably got hers charged. She's, she's pretty holy. Um... <laughs> So Genesis 6, and uh, there's a lot that I want to focus on in this, in this passage today. It's a, it's a familiar story, um, even if you didn't grow up in church. Now, I'm meeting more and more people in our world today that don't even know the story of Jesus, so I don't want to um, presume that everybody in, the, in, in here knows the story of Noah. So um, basically, things have gotten really bad, Jesus or, or God, rather. Jesus, theologically, it was also Jesus, but God has just created the, uh, the, the world not too long ago, and it doesn't take too long for humanity to start messing it up, and they mess it up so bad that, and actually, I mean, the language that it get, we, we, we get um, God's decision from is he, he repents, and we're like, well, what does that mean? Like, God can't sin, so how does he repent? Repent literally just means taking a 180. He goes, all of a sudden, he starts thinking differently about his creation. He goes, it's not good. That, that humankind has ended up here. And this is where we're going to pick up the story in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And it says that the Lord saw how great man's uh, humanity's wickedness on the earth had become. And that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts were only evil all the time. Now those, that's, that's not like, like some people were evil, some of the thoughts are bad, some of the people... No, no, he's saying... Every inclination, <laughs> only evil all the time. And then it goes on to say, The Lord was grieved that he had made humans on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe humanity, whom I have created from the face of the earth, um, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. It says, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless. I mean, these are big words. Blameless among the people of his time. And he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth was, had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. 
I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, making rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. He goes into all, launches into all of these different things where uh, he starts saying how you should build it and all the rest. And jumping down, it says, Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. I wonder if God will find anyone righteous in our generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that God had commanded them. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the flood. It goes on to um, say that all of the animals entered the ark. And it says, in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were open, and rain fell on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, to give you the end of the story, obviously, Noah and, and all the animals and, and, and Noah's family were, were saved, and uh, eventually the earth dries up, and we'll touch on the very end of the story in just a little while, but God makes a promise to Noah and his family and basically to all of humanity that he'll never flood the earth again. And uh, we're going to pray, and then I'm going to jump into um, lest we forget. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are and what you've done. God, this is a wild story, and one that has um, confronted my faith many times uh, as I've been reading your scriptures. God, it's asked me, it's it's caused me to ask questions that maybe sometimes are are unfair to ask of you. And uh, God, I just pray today that you give us a level of clarity that would allow us walking out of this place, not only knowing and understanding you more, but willing to share that understanding with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. So I chose uh, this message title, Lest We Forget. Um, for various reasons, but mainly because of what God was drawing out of me um, in this passage in particular. You see, there's a lot of uh, different things going on in this passage that cause us to forget uh, who we are in Christ. Unless we forget is something that is really tied, that phrase is really tied to um, uh, 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 war times and, and how we remember those that have fought before us. But it actually comes from a poem by a guy named uh, Rudyard Kipling. And part of his poem says this. He says, God of our fathers known of old, Lord of our far-flung battle line, beneath whose awful hand we hold, dominion over palm and pine. Lord God of hosts, be with, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. You know, Rudyard Kipling actually wrote this poem long before World War I and World War II, long before we ever remembered war with this phrase, lest we forget. What Rudyard Kipling was trying to get us to remember through his poem was reminding a nation that it's of where the source of its success actually came from. You see, we live in a world today that really forgets why we get to exist in the first place. We, we live in a world that forgets why we were created in the first place. We live in a world that forgets the price that Jesus paid on a cross so we might actually live in freedom and not under the oppression of religion. And, uh, and, and it's interesting because this poem gets at the idea that it's so easy for us to forget who God is. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, 7 to 9, it's Moses 
after leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt, out of captivity for 400 years, he's about to bring the law uh, to the people from God. And he says this, for what nation is there so great um, to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? What a, what a fascinating little statement, isn't it? Like, how great is it to have our God so near to us whenever we pray to him? Moses continues, and what other nation and what other groups of people are so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? What a great, what a great outlook on what it looks like to listen to the laws of God, like to, to safeguard us, to, to actually guide us into right behavior, but not even right behavior, but everlasting life. But he goes on to say, only be careful and watch yourselves. He's speaking to the Israelites right after they come out of Egypt. He's already reminding them to watch themselves closely, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you shall live. I think we suffer in our day and age today from Christian amnesia. I think we suffer from this idea of coming to church on Sundays and getting really excited about what God has to say, but going throughout our weeks, forgetting what he had spoken so deeply in our hearts earlier that week. And I think that there's a generation that, that, that wants to believe in God, but is forgetting him amongst the busy context in which we find ourselves. Does anybody just have like normal amnesia? Like not like, not like um, the diagnosable type, but like just like, what I'm talking about is that some of the people are pointing and usually it's just... It's spouses, you know, nudges, and I see that. This isn't a relationship message per se, um, but, uh, but maybe it could be just for you. Um, but, you know, I, I get this all the time. The way that we usually come into our house is we've got a, a garage door, and then we have a, a side garage door, and we walk in there, and, and for whatever reason, we've placed our garbage bin right there, right? So we have a little garbage bin upstairs, and we take our garbage, and we bring it down there, and, and uh, often... Uh, when we walk through there, I'm reminded that Garbage Day is still far ways away because of the smell that greets you when you walk into our house. As I'm saying this, I'm like, why do we put our garbage bin there anyway? But anyway, it's the first thing you see when we're walking in our door, our entrance, our family's entrance into our home. And uh, there's many times where Emma and I are just going about our lives and we're in the kitchen and um, uh, I don't do much in the kitchen. I, I, it may, I'm making it sound better than what I actually am. Like I'm making it sound like I'm doing something really great. I'm kind of sitting there playing with the kids, and that's good too. But often Emma will be like, hey, babe, can you take out the garbage? And I mean, my intentions are so good. Anybody ha like live in good intentions? Here's a good reminder for all of us that live in good intentions to not judge other people based on their actions and ourselves based on our intentions. I'll keep you out of a lot of assumptions when it comes to people. But I'll be there, and I have, like, the greatest intention. She's like, can you do this? I'm like, absolutely. She's like, can you do it now? And I'm like, absolutely not. And she's like, why? I'm like, well, I'm playing with our kids. Like, you know, I'm just like, pull them extra close. Like, they don't want me to leave, you know? And it's not that I don't want to do it. It's just I want to do it less than playing with the kids and what I'm doing. And, and so it's always, like, crushing to my soul the next time we arrive at home, and we open up that door, and the friendly scent greets us. Oh. Whoa, you know, the garbage there. And I look, and to my demise, the garbage bag that I was meant to remove from upstairs is already sitting in the garbage bin downstairs. Anybody have amnesia when it comes to your life? You see, I, I think that we can easily go through life with these kind of experiences, whether it's being told to do that or some of us have forgotten to do our taxes for a lot of years. So this is your friendly reminder that tax season is coming, um, you know. But uh, we go through this, and, and we forgive ourselves quite easily because the consequences aren't, aren't great. 
But I want to draw our attention to something greater this morning, and it has to do with our faith, because the consequences of forgetting what God has spoken into our lives and what he has shown us through living our lives and the experiences we have with Jesus, the consequences of forgetting those things are much greater than anything else that we could forget in our lives. Christian amnesia is something that plagues us today as we allow the voices of culture to rival the voice of God. Can I say that again? This sounds like just the front rows getting it so far. We can't allow the voices of culture to rival the voice of God in our lives, lest we forget everything that he has done. You see, Noah, he's a, he's a man of righteousness. He's a man of, of strength. He's a, he's a man who's blameless in the sight of God. And so he gets saved by God amongst everything that's happening, and it teaches us so many great things. But how many of us, when we come back to this story as we grow older, we start to actually get a little insecure of our idea of who God is. We start to forget the nature of God because we go, what kind of loving God would cr- kill his entire creation and save only a family? And so today I want to talk on this topic of lest we forget. And I've got a lot of points, and so I'm going to try to get through them all. I'm not going to tell you how many I have. And front row, you can't tell anybody. Um, But uh, I've got some points that I want to share with us today because I actually believe that it's going to empower us and equip us in our everyday lives to remember the character of God in the midst of a bunch of voices that might be speaking otherwise. The first thing I want to speak today is let's remember, as we recall the story of Noah, that Noah stood alone, lest we forget that our context is a terrible conscience. Can I say that one more time? Let's remember that Noah stood alone, lest we forget our context, our, our, our community, the place we find ourselves, our context is a terrible conscience. You know, in chapter 6, verse 5, it says this, that the Lord saw how great man's wickedness was on the earth and how it had become that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. In verse 11, it continues the same vein of thought. and It says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. I want to remind you that Noah stood alone because sometimes I think as we live our lives out here on planet earth, that we take our cues for morality more from the culture around us rather than the word of God. And I can remember, I think it was grade seven. In fact, I know it was grade seven because I was in, I know, I remember it was grade eight because my my classroom was in a portable um, outside uh, what is affectionately known as Dale Road Public School. This school was so great, so magnificent that it doesn't even show up when you're trying to figure out how schools are rated in Ontario. And uh, I I can tell you that some weird stuff went down in the school. probably the darkest years of my life. Anybody listening from Dale Road Public School, I still love you. But um, the teachers there were crazy. Uh, And I'm not saying this from the perspective of a grade eight student. I'm saying this from the perspective of an adult that has now lived and is friends with teachers. And I can confirm that that school was nuts. So if you know anybody that has their kids going there, just give them a gentle reminder that Dale Road Public School is not a school you want their kids going. Okay. Um, Now that I've gotten that off my chest, I remember um, being in a portable as grade eight 
And I remember for some reason, like power went out or something like that. Um, teacher, let us go out. And, and there's this place called No Man's Land. Anybody had a No Man's Land when it came to your school? It was this area outside, uh, outside of the perimeter of your school that you weren't allowed to go into. Okay, we called it No Man's Land at Dale Road Public School. And, uh, and I remember we just got like sent outside like until we figure out what's happening. Like you guys just like play outside. And, and I'm like, yeah, cool. Like, uh, and I'm just like there in grade eight just like standing. And, and for some reason in grade eight, we decided like that's a great opportunity to just take off. And I remember thinking, like, I was a good kid. I knew I was on a path of trajectory, like, towards becoming a pastor. And so, and I was trying to, like, preach to them, like, hey, guys, it's not good. The teacher told us to stay here, you know. Anyway, the whole group decides, like, we're just going to go off into Nature's Nook. Or it's not Nature's Nook. That was Camborne Public School. Anyway, I'm giving you far too much context into my life to make a point here. And anyway, the whole group of people went into no man's land. And I just remember this pull on my spirit. I know I'm in grade eight, and I know I can just stay put for however long we need to wait this thing out. I, I know I have the ability to do it. But all of a sudden, the nature and the pull of the people around me, I find myself creeping closer and closer to no man's land. I'm just like, what's, what's back there anyway? You know, like, what, 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 what's so bad about no man's land anyway? Like, what, what do you mean no man has ever been in this land? You know what I mean? And I'm like, let's go. Let's go figure out it. Let's party over there. And then I started thinking, like, well, I didn't, I didn't suggest it. Like, I wasn't the, the initiator of this. I'm like, is that so bad if I, like, I, in fact, I should probably go and just, like, make sure they're not doing bad stuff in no man's land. So, you know, and they're all, like, trying to get me to go because they know I'm this good Christian kid. Like, come on, Brandon, let's go. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, you guys probably need, like, like a designated walker to go into no man's land. I get it. Like, okay, yeah, I can drive this bus, you know. And I walk into there, and I remember being called into the principal's office at grade eight for something so stupid, but for going in to, to, to no man's land. And I remember my, my rebuttal to why we were going to get in trouble for this thing and get detention or whatever else is everybody else was doing it. How stupid does that sound? And how stupid is this example? And yet, how, how, how often is this our approach to morality in our day and age today? It's not that bad. Everybody's doing it. I'm doing it a little bit less than everybody else. Like, like, Man, if, 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 listen, in, in my relationship, like, don't start talking to the stuff that I'm doing between my boyfriend and girlfriend. Like, like don't, don't start talking. Like, if you knew what my friends were doing, you'd be thankful this was all I was doing. You know, when it comes to tax season, like, don't get upset with me for just doing this little thing. Like, I'm just doing a little thing. There are businessmen that rip off the government way worse than what I'm doing. And all of a sudden, our morality gets reduced to what the world around us is doing rather than the voice of God. We need to remember in this story, first and foremost, Noah stood alone. Lest we forget that it is not our context that sets the parameters for how we are to live before God. That belongs to God and God alone. You know, we need to be a church that's willing to stand apart, a church that's willing to stand alone, a church that's willing to say, hey, God, we're going to rest our morals on the word of God and what you have to say and what you want the world to look like and your vision for the world and your image for the world and what you want to see coming out of the world rather than anything else that comes at us because that's what's going to draw all men unto God as they see us shine our light so bright. I would love to continue on that point, but I want to get on to the other 17 points that I have. And so secondly, let's remember that God saved Noah, lest we forget that God is good and God is love. I'll never forget visiting 
Luke and Victoria, Pastor Luke, Pastor Victoria, when they were in Sweden, Emma and I had just finished our, um, our university, and we took a month off to go travel Europe, mainly just go to Sweden. <laughs> Emma traveled Europe. I went to Sweden and got to go to uh, Italy for like two days. Not bitter. Um, <laughs> I think you guys went to England. That was really it either. But uh, Luke and I got to do some cool stuff when you're in England, see some bonfires. Swedes do really weird stuff in May. Um, <laughs> this is midsummer, and uh, no, it's not. It's when they just burn stuff. Anyway, let's move on from that too. But uh, I remember being there, and I really, there was a couple days where I didn't have much to do. Luke had to work or something, and so he was working, and then uh, Victoria's brother, Robert, um, said, like, hey, man, if you're not doing anything, why don't you just come to, like, the school with me and, and, and share about Jesus? And I'm like, isn't this, like, a socialist country? Like, are we allowed to do that? You know, and he's like, what? You know, like, we're, we're so, anyway. Um, and I went with him, and I just remember, like, in front of this whole group of students, they're all talking Swedish, and I'm, like, supposed to, like, share the message of Jesus, and I'm just like, what is going on here? Like, where am I? And I'm just there, and Robert's, like, speaking Swedish and all this different stuff, and, and uh, I'm, like, trying to pay attention and just, like, act cool and not act like the only, like, non-Swedish speaking person in the room, and I'm like, yeah, you know, like, really good, and, and I remember remember he kind of like did the whole thing and I was just so grateful and then they went into Q&A time and in Q&A time Robert's like okay this is your turn and I'm like first of all I can't understand these people second of all like I am freaked out of my mind like I'm a, I'm a recent graduate of university and now I find myself in Sweden high school answering questions about God for this very godless nation you know what I'm saying like I felt a little bit like Jonah being sent to Nineveh and all of a sudden I'm sorry uh, I'm gonna go over here for a little bit Victoria's eyeing me up with those Viking eyes and I, I know um, but no I'm sitting there and all of a sudden one of the first questions that comes out is how can God be a loving God if he floods the entire earth and kills, his, kills all of his creation. Do you realize God would have killed kids in that flood? Do you realize God would have killed innocent and, and, and on and on the narrative went? I just remember standing there and being so, so thrown off because now I'm like, okay, not only is there a language barrier, but now the biggest theological question you could ask of God is being asked in this room. And I just remember looking at Robert and being like, I don't like you very much, you know? It's like he, could, like he knew what was about to happen. And, and I just remember God like really, really convicting me because previous to this question and something I've never really shared is, is I was going through my own doubts and questions about who God was. I just completed a really, uh, an honors religion and theology degree at a very theological university and, and, and really kind of ended coming out going, what the heck do I believe? What the, what the heck? Like, like I started doubting a lot of what I was reading in scripture and wondering if God was good. And all of a sudden in this moment, I just, I, I had such a conviction in my soul and a question just prompted inside of me and said, do you believe that I'm good? And honestly, Slate Church, I wonder if many of us have come to a place where this is the answer, the answer to our question, to that question from God would be, yes, Lord, you are good. Because there's a big difference between reading scripture through a lens of skepticism and reading scripture through a lens that God is good and God is love, and God really does care about his creation, and God really does want 
humanity to come unto himself. And God really does care for all of the things that he set into motion. There's a big difference between approaching the Bible with skepticism and, pro- and approaching the Bible with a, a bias towards God is actually good. Because here's the thing that happens the moment that you start to approach the Bible with a bias towards God actually being good. And by the way, when you hear the word bias in our, in our society today, we always chalk it up to a negative thing. But it is impossible to live through this life without a bias of some sort. I am now biased towards kids. I am now biased towards Waterloo. I am now biased. It is impossible. But I wonder if we would allow God the, the, uh, uh, the room in our minds and our souls to give him the benefit of the doubt that maybe he is just good, even amidst all the things that we can't understand in our limited understanding as his creation. And all of a sudden, this question started taking on a new meaning, and I started going, well, if God is good, then something in this story must mean that God was trying to do something really good. And I think it lies within chapter 6, verse 5, and chapter 6, verse 11, where it describes how humanity was at the time. It says, the Lord saw how great humanity's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination the thoughts of their hearts were only evil all the time. Listen, we're not talking about your neighbor that killed another neighbor's cat because it was bothering them. We go, that's evil. No, no, no. We're not talking about the person in the room that, that doesn't really want God and, and spends most of their, their finances on, on filling up on, on hedonistic pleasures. No, we're not talking about that because usually those people, we still live out life and we go, like, my neighbors are good people. The, the people that I do work with, they're, they're good people. And, 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 and to that, I, I want to remind you, yes, they are. Like, like for the most part, there's still a lot of good in people in our world today, but that wasn't the case in Noah's time. In fact, it says that God sized them up and noticed that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts were only evil all the time. Take out the good thoughts that your coworkers have. Take out the good thoughts that your neighbors have. Take out the good actions that your neighbors have. And all you have left is every inclination of the heart is evil all the time. Now listen, we wouldn't be sitting here today if God lost his remnant through Noah's family in order to bring through the redemption that we now celebrate every single Sunday morning. Get this, creation, fall, redemption, consummation is the historical pattern of the world that we live in today. God created, there was a fall in which we sinned against God and and widened the gap between us and God. And from that moment forward, God put in his incredible redemptive plan that would come to pass with Jesus dying on a cross and raising again from the grave three days later. And it was from the moment we sinned that God put that plan into existence. We see it in that Noah and Adam are sent out of the garden, not naked and alone and, and, and shamed, but they're actually sent out of the garden with clothes made from God, made by God, so that they may go out with the first provisions that God would ever provide. So when it comes to Noah in this point in history, what we need to understand is that God had a plan of redemption that needed to happen. And if he didn't save Noah and his family, where would we be today? Can you imagine the only blameless, righteous person on the face of the earth being killed by a godless generation? Where would we be today? Can you imagine a family that would be able to bring out the, 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 the lineage of this family would bring about Jesus Christ? Can you imagine if God had allowed them to die or to become evil themselves or to be turned by the culture around them? Can you imagine where we would be today? We would be not. 
What a great act of God that he said, you know what, no. For the sake of my creation, I will save it through this one man. I will save it through this one family. I'm going to give it another chance. I don't want to wipe them away from the face of the earth. I want to save my people. I want to have a relationship with my church. In fact, I believe that he saw us here today worshiping and praising him and said, you know what, it's worth it doing it again so that I can see these people worshiping me here today in 2020 with free hearts because what Jesus is going to do for them. So let's remember that God saved Noah amidst all of the different narratives that we say about whether or not God is good. Lest we forget that God is good and God is love. Wow, that's a heavy message. (laughs) But it's so good, isn't it? I have a few more things that I want to communicate real quick. Let's remember that Noah listened to everything God said, lest we forget that God has spoken. Let's remember that Noah listened to everything God said, lest we forget God has spoken. In Genesis 6, after God gives Noah the directions of how he's to build the ark. And I mean, there's like, there's lots of dimensions and things like that that I'm sure all of my engineer friends are like, oh, it's pretty simple. You just do this, this, and this. Yeah, you can understand. Um, <laughs> I want to make fun of engineers in this moment, but I just won't. That's what I was going to become, by the way, all the engineers that are offended, right? That's what I was going to become. And then I became a pastor. And I'm glad I made that choice. But it says in, after he's given all these instructions in verse 22 of chapter 6, it says, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. I don't know about you, but I have the, I have, I have the, like, human problem of just, like, like, not being able to follow basic instructions. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't follow basic instructions. Emma will literally say something as I'm leaving work, like, hey, babe, uh, I forgot to pick up rice cakes. Um, he stopped by Sobeys and pick up some rice cakes for us. And I'll get so stuck on the fact that she said, I forgot to pick up because I know she's using Instacart and somebody dropped them off at it. I'm like, you didn't pick up nothing up, you know? Somebody else picked it up for us. I'll get so stuck on that. I'll be driving to Sobeys, and I'll arrive at Sobeys, and I walk through there, and I'm like, I wonder if I work for Instacart. I could pick up some. I could work for Instacart right now, make some money for my family on the way home from work. If you're not sure what Instacart is, it's people that will go pick up. I'm getting paid for this. This is a paid advertisement, by the way. <laughs> so let me do this real quick. Instacart is a great um, app that other people... They'll drop it right off on your doorstep, and you only pay like $10 extra for the whole order. It's amazing. I'll start thinking, well, what if I work for Instacart? I could, I could make 10 bucks on my way home from my family. I'll be walking through, and I'll be like, I'm pretty hungry. And I'll walk down, and I'll look at the sale prices on the chips and Sobeys. Sobeys has terrible sales on chips. It's not Walmart. That price matches. I'll be in there, and I'll be like, well, okay, Pringles is two for, okay. If I buy two, they get it for two sixty-six. I'll pick up some Pringle cans. They'll... I feel like I was in here for something else. I just put them in my little basket. Nah, no, probably nothing. Anyway, like, I'm hungry. I pay for my thing, get home, and we'll be like, hey, where's my rice cakes? 
Like, what, rice cakes? You said rice cakes? I thought you said potato cake chips. Pringle. I thought you said, this is what you, I got your favorite kind, you know. Thankfully, I picked up on the two for, because I was going to pick up my kind, but I decided to pick up her kind. She's like a little less upset. Man, we we forget so easily where God has spoken. I mean, we're not, we're not talking about rice cakes here. We're talking about, like, God's plan for our lives. And, and I love that it says that Noah did everything just as God had commanded him. Listen, this thing wasn't built overnight. It's not like all of a sudden you just, like, like quickly search. You're like, okay, God wants me to build an ark. Great. Just, like, quickly search on Amazon. Like, okay, ark building kit. You know, all of a sudden it got delivered, prime shipping the next day. He walks out. He's like, Great awesome, got his sons together, just like clicked it all together, like Ikea furniture, just like, come on, an ark like this, to our understanding, had never been built before, to our understanding, like, like this is, this is abnormal, can you just imagine day after day, in the heat of the sun, building this thing, as your neighbors come by, like, hey Noah, how's it going, and Noah's just like, good, what are you doing, nothing, why do you want to tell me, just cause. Can I help? No, that would feel kind of wrong. <laughs> you know, as it got longer and longer into the time frame, you just imagine Noah's building it, and now his neighbors are getting upset. You're, what are you, there's no water around. What are you doing? You just imagine what the pressure that Noah is getting. You know, I think that a lot of us in our society, in our context today, we're tempted to give up on the words that God has spoken to us because of what everybody else is saying around us. Why would you go to church on Sundays? Like, like what, what is it? What's in it for you? Why, why would you serve all that time? Why would you give all your time? Why would you, why, 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 why? And I feel like we live in a context where we begin to forget what God has spoken because we're listening to the voices of our culture more than the voices of our creator. And I just believe today that if we're allowed to allow God's voice to drown out all the other voices that are trying to influence what God has spoken on our lives, that we might actually see some really great things happen in our lifetime. It's amazing to me how many people in this room would relate to moments when they were in youth when they feel like they had a word from God. And we sit here 5, 2, 10, 15, 40 years later. We're sitting here and we're going, yeah, I know what that word was. But we've interpreted it as something different. Because we've forgotten the words that God spoke. We forgot how poignant they were on our hearts. We forget how, 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 um, how undeniable they were in our spirits. So rather than face the reality that we don't want to follow that anymore, we don't want to give up for that anymore, we just we make excuses for where we are rather than allowing God to continue to breathe life into the dreams that he's given us. Listen, God has spoken, and he hasn't changed his words. Listen, in Matthew chapter 28, or, or uh, sorry, yeah, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, God gives us the great commission. The Great Commission hasn't changed to go out into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And some of us in this room, we've got words from God that maybe we're not listening to. And it's because maybe we forget that it's really just chalked up to the same thing. All of our callings come back to this word that God spoke, that we're to go into the world making disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Come on, it's still the same calling. God is still speaking the same thing in your life. God has not given up on you. He's maybe not telling you to quit your job and go chase a missionary field, but maybe he's trying to get you to see that where you find yourself right now is your missionary field. Maybe he's still speaking the same thing to you right now in this room. For some of us, we're just waiting for God to speak, failing to realize that he's already spoken. Come on, it says that he did everything that God said he, he should do. Let's come on, church. Let's, let's not fail to, to disguise. We're about to go into a series. I think we're going to talk about it at the end. It's called Holy Habits. We're going to go into spiritual disciplines, and Luke will explain it further in just a moment. That's, that's what we're going to be going into over the next little while. But let's not allow that to disguise us from the fact that, listen, it's not just about you getting your relationship right with God. It's about allowing God and your relationship with him and your understanding of him to understand that you're already right with him. And we live out of that understanding. We live out of the understanding that God wants to bring more people into that understanding. And so I'm so thankful that Noah listened to everything God said, lest we forget that God has spoken. I can do this. I just got two quick things I want to say. We got baptisms today as well, which I'm so excited for. Aren't you excited for baptisms? Hey, I'm just going to I'm just going to say this one real quick. Let's remember Noah was 600 years old. Lest we forget, it's never too late to be used by God. Hey, what's your excuse for why you're not allowing God to use you right now in this moment? You're too old. You got kids now. Housing situation isn't what you want it to be. Bank account's not saying what you thought it should. What's your reason? Noah was 600 years old. Lest us, let us not forget that it's never too late to be used by God. Finally, I just want to say one last thing. Let us remember that Noah was blameless, but it wasn't perfect. Let us remember that Noah was blameless, but he wasn't perfect. Lest we forget that it's our faith that pleases God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, It is impossible to please God outside of faith. Let us remember that Noah was blameless, but he wasn't perfect. Isn't it interesting that the world was so wicked at this time? It says Noah was blameless. And then chapter 9 Verse, eight, or verse 20, we get this little glimpse into who Noah was. So Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. Good first decision when you come out of a, a ship where everybody's died around you. It says, when he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered in his, inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth uh, took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father's nakedness. When Noah woke from his wine and found out that his youngest son had done this, he became so angry. Hey, isn't it interesting that we just spent an entire morning, or an entire message, talking about this guy that was blameless. And the first thing this guy does after being saved in the entire world is sin. <laughs> Gets drunk. Listen, drinking wine in the Bible, just so we're aware, we don't have reason to believe that that's against God. But the Bible is 100% sober. That it's, that's very clear throughout Scripture. The Bible is 100% sober. The first thing Noah does after being saved by God is goes and gets drunk. 
And this is the guy that God wants to save, him and his family, one of his kids, one of the three, a third of, of the generations that would come after him, rather than covering for their father, exposes their father. That's a lesson in and of itself when leaders fall around you. It's not our job to expose them, but to cover them. Exposes their father. And all of a sudden, this is the lineage that God wants to use to bring Jesus to our earth. Come on, that doesn't worry me. That's the, that excites me. All of a sudden, I start seeing, oh, Noah was blameless because of what, how God covered him, but he wasn't perfect. That sounds a little bit like us today at Slate Church. That, listen, it's, God's not looking for perfect people to be able to use to do his will. He's looking for people that will put their faith in him and allow what he's done for them to propel them into being used in this world that we live in for goodness and grace. Listen. You might be wondering, God, can I be used as a vessel to save the world around me? Yes, you can. But what I did last night, but what I did, but what I did, but what, listen, it's not about what you did. It's about what he did. And what God did is going to be always so much greater than what we can do against him. And we got to start trusting in the process. We got to start trusting that he wants to use broken people like Noah. He wants to use broken people like Jericho. He wants to use broken people like Brad. He wants to use broken people like Victoria. He wants to use broken people like Jeff. He wants to bro bro use broken people like, like Mandy. He wants to use broken people like me. So can we stand to our feet in this place? Thank you for watching. Again, if you were impacted by the message in any way, we would love to hear from you. Send us an email at mystory@slatechurch.com. If you'd like to learn more about Slate Church, head to our website and you can fill out one of our online connect cards. We would love to see you at one of our Sunday services. Remember, you can stay connected to what we're doing by finding us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.